It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Back in hour number two of the program, we were talking about the passing of Sinead O'Connor and one of the most recognizable female Irish voices. And of course, that's U2, the biggest Irish band of all time, as uh, as my intro music there. And of course, my favorite band. You can mock me for that if you want. Some people do. Some people like to mock those who like U2. I don't get it. I mean, I, I, I get it if you don't like them. You don't have to like them, but why would you mock somebody else for doing so? Um, and it, it, it relates back. I always liked them growing up. I don't know what the first song I heard was from them. Maybe maybe it was, you know, Sunday, Bloody Sunday. I would have been five years old or thereabouts when that song came out. So maybe it was around that time. And then, of course, Joshua Tree was a huge album when I was... Eight, nine years old. Rattle and Hum came out. But then it was Achtung Baby. And the lyrics of, of that album that really solidified it for me as a fan. And it's still my favorite album of all time from anybody. So, but it, it, that's neither here nor there. But the, that's that's why I became a U2 fan. So if you, if you want to mock me for it, go ahead. I'm fine with it. I've seen them, I think, 10 times now. Live in concert, got to fist bump Bono once. Got a front had, was in the front row one time, so they'll always be tops for me, and always the music that I go to when I need to, you know, kind of get outside of myself for a little bit. Uh, I will put on, especially some particular tracks from them. But if 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 you never really listen to them, give them a shot. And I can recommend some songs to check out that'll give you kind of like the best of the best, beyond just stuff that you might have heard on the radio. Anyway, 508-996-0500. That is the number to chime in with all of the discussions that are on the table today, including we were talking earlier about, you know, the heat wave that is coming, or at least a couple of days of hot weather and how to stay cool. Uh, we were talking, we talked a little bit about litter again and the impending nip bottle ban and, and the question of will a single-use water bottle ban be next? Because a lot of other communities have banned those as well. And that is another major contributor to litter and to pollution. So is is that next? And would you support that? One other story that's out there today, New Bedford Light has a great in-depth piece about the incoming body cameras for New Bedford police officers. It is part of the contract that was recently agreed to by the New Bedford Police Union and the Mitchell administration. It allows for officers to begin wearing body cameras. Now, we're, it's not ready to go now. They have to put policies in place for the use of body cameras. They have to agree on that policy. They have to get all the equipment, train everybody in how to use them. So we're still a little bit off, a little bit of ways away from having them be part of 
policing in New Bedford. But I think it is going to make a big difference. It is going to make a difference in terms of how the police do their job, both from, you know, being able to prove things that officers say happen out in the field, but also to make sure that officers are behaving in an appropriate manner. And I'm not saying that they're not, but at the same time, you know, we've, we've seen some things. There's an investigation going on right now over an incident in which an officer threw a punch while making an arrest. And we're waiting for details to come out about the investigation into that, which is still ongoing, so it might be a bit before we hear about it. New Bedford Guide had the video. They put it up there. But we're looking to you know, get all the information once that report is complete. But things like that can either be avoided or at least be handled quicker. The question is, will we ever see footage from police body cameras in incidents? Will that be something that's provided to the media in specific cases? Will that be something that is put out to the public, maybe from the police social media accounts that'll all be determined, I am sure, when they create the policy. But that remains to be seen. The cameras are not made so that you, the public, can see what goes on. They're made so that those who are on either side of discrepancies can see what's going on. But it's usually beneficial when things hit the public sentiment to be able to provide that footage. So I'll be interested in seeing what that policy is when they craft it. As you know, the police department under the Mitchell administration has been reluctant to and refused to release booking photos. That's why we never have mug shots of suspects who are arrested in New Bedford. They, they won't supply them. Sometimes they may have, that person might have been arrested somewhere else. We may be able to have access to booking photos from there, but the police department locally does not provide them. There have been times that we have requested them via Freedom of Information Act requests and been denied. So th that's just the decision of this police administration and the Mitchell administration, Not, and I've talked to the mayor about it, and he says there are too many times where people are not convicted of the crimes they're arrested for and releasing their booking photos would open them up to, well, open the city up to a potential lawsuit for defamation when they weren't convicted of the crime. And I, I my argument is, well, we've already put their name out there. What difference does it make if we put a photo out there? The Boston Police Department was sued by the Boston Globe over this. But it is what it is. Their policy is what it is. And I don't think it hurts our ability to get the information to you. But it is a little, it is a little head scratching when they're telling you, you know, we, we're looking, we, we've got this dangerous criminal. And for a while, under the previous police administration, under, under Chief Cordero, we were getting press releases that were very critical 
of the local judges that were saying, like, you know, the police did great work again arresting this person, and within 24 hours they were back on the streets due to, you know, the lenient judges. And they're telling us how dangerous these suspects are, how dangerous these people are, and they shouldn't be on the street, and the judges are making a mistake. Okay, but you don't also want to warn people what this person looks like so that they can avoid them or keep an eye on them or whatever it may be. I don't know, just a weird thing that I've, I've never really made peace with. But again, it doesn't impact our ability to get the information to you. 508-996-0500. And that's, that's an interesting thing that every police department has to go through. And that's an interesting thing, interesting thing that every media outlet is going through. Our coverage, our news coverage, the way that we handle covering the news has evolved so much since I started working in the newsroom in 2017. In those days, if somebody, you know, if a police department supplied a booking photo of a suspect, that was the image that went with the story. Whether it was, you know, a, a picture of a person looking their best or a picture of them maybe in the throes of addiction and at their absolute rock bottom moment. And so many of those booking photos became, went viral because people wanted to mock the person's appearance in the photos. So I can kind of understand why departments would be reluctant to supply photos because that's not what the point of, of, of this news release is and, and us posting the new story. It's not about having a laugh at somebody's expense. It's about letting the public know about a crime that took place that has since been at least a suspect has been arrested for and potentially has been solved. And you'll notice that we've de-emphasized the booking photos that we do get as being the image. We don't make it the whole image. We make it part of the image. You've noticed that we don't report on things like people who are arrested for drug possession as long as it's not, you know, intent to distribute. Or a charge associated with other more serious charges. We don't write about overdose deaths anymore. We don't write about suicides that happen privately. If it happens on a public place, well, then the public is asking about it. They want to know. We don't write about prostitution arrests, either the prostitutes themselves or the people who are soliciting the prostitute. We don't. We, we try to have more compassionate coverage, and a lot of news outlets are doing the same thing. Is it really worth putting this story out? Does the public need to know this information or is this just something that's going to embarrass that person? And if you ask me, and maybe some people disagree, but I don't think we need to put everybody's worst moments out on blast, you know? If it's a serious crime that posed a danger to the community, like dealing drugs, yes. If it's a person's you know, fifth or sixth OUI, or if they're a public figure or a trusted person in the public and it's an OUI, yes. But if it's a person who just got pulled over driving home from a party and had a little bit too much to drink, didn't cause an accident, didn't hurt anybody, got pulled over, got an OUI, do you need to know that? So it's, it's figuring out what the balance is. And I think that we've been evolving with that over the last few years. 
and it'll certainly be an ongoing process. Anyway, 508-996-0500. I know that might be a little bit too inside for a lot of folks, but it also explains why, you know, you might see stories other places and you go to WBSM and being the news leader of the South Coast that we are, you may wonder, well, how come WBSM doesn't have that story? And, and that's why. I, I don't want to say that we are more ethical than other outlets, but I will say that we have a very big focus on ethics here. And with that in mind, you know, we don't post every video that somebody sends to us until we've confirmed information or gotten information. Uh, we don't post things. We try to avoid using anonymous sources. We try to make sure that we are giving you the most scrutinized version of the news before we give it to you. And if, if you don't prefer that approach, there's other places that don't do that. But that's how we're going to operate here. It's how we've been operating for, what, 75 years, something like that, and we're going to keep doing that. 508-996-0500. Again, you can also hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. Uh, one thing that you will find us reporting on quite frequently at WBSM.com and on the app are things that we think will affect your daily life, especially things where, and, and, and you know, we've, we've got more fun stories now as well. Where it's not just all about the hard news, but we're trying to, to, to tell you good stories from the community. You will always find good stories. If people are doing good in the community, we will find out about it and we will write about it. And yesterday, Jessica Machado had a piece about just that. A restaurant in Fall River, a relatively new restaurant, that is offering free boxed water to folks during this couple of days of high heat and high humidity. You don't need to make a purchase. You don't need to, to come in and be a customer. They'll just, they're giving out this boxed water. They got, got it from the company and they are paying it forward by handing it out to people who need it. So you can check out that story at WBSM.com on the WBSM app. It's posted up on our Facebook page. You know, give it a share with somebody that you think might, might need to utilize that offer. Uh, during the next couple of days. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Hello, Tim. Yes. Hi. I have a question that maybe you or maybe some of your listeners can help me with. Uh, as I drive around, I see little houses, mini houses with books in them on people's front lawns mm -hmm. you know, by the street. What are those called? Those are called Little Free Libraries. Now, is there a listing of where they all are? There is. There's a website where they're all... So not everybody registers them with the Little Free Library website, but most of them do. And when they register them, they'll have a number on them. And then when you look up on, on the Little Free Library website, it'll have all the registered libraries and you can find maps and you can find lists of where they all are so that you can go and check them all out. Oh, beautiful. So the website is Little Free Library? Uh, let me double check and make sure. Give me one second here. Uh, but um, we also have a story up on WBSM.com from the other day. There's there's an offshoot of that movement called the Little Free Diverse Libraries, where the where the libraries are stocked with books that focus on diversity. And there's one in Rochester that um, 
that was placed outside the Plum Library, and it had a diversity flag on it, and Rochester has a new flag policy. It's turned into a thing. But in that story, at the, at the end of the story, we have a list gallery of all the local little free libraries here on the South Coast that you can go and visit. And again, it probably needs to be updated because more and more keep popping up every day. But there's a good list right there of ones that would be easy to drive to. All right. I thank you very, very much. And, I appreciate it. And the, we, the official website for the Little Free Library movement is littlefreelibrary.org. Thank you very much. No problem. I appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. And if you haven't experienced that yet, if you don't know what we're talking about, you've probably seen them. You've seen these, these boxes on a pole, um, or some people will attach them right to the side of the, the building or what have you. But you've seen these, these boxes with books in them and wondered what that's all about. The idea is the people who put those up will stock those with some books and people are welcome to come and take those books. People are also welcome to come and leave books as well. And the idea is that it, it promotes reading and promotes access to books for people that might not have access to books. You know, maybe books are kind of expensive. So some folks might not be able to spend 20 bucks to get a nice hardcover book. But when you get it from the little free library, you may get it, read it, and then put it into another little free library for someone else to enjoy. Or maybe you're going to keep that book, but you'll find another book to put in that library in exchange for it. So it's, it's really, it's a great movement. And, and people who are voracious readers tend to put those out in front of their homes because they have a lot of books. They go through a lot of books and they want to share those books with others. So it, it's, depending on what community you're in, there could be a lot of those going around. A lot of those as you drive around and find them. But we, like I said, we have a list gallery of them, but it probably needs to be updated because they just keep popping up every day. And you can actually buy kits online to make a nice, easy little free library to install it with no problem. I haven't gone into the... To the um, Home stores, you know, Home Depot, Lowe's, those kind of places. I haven't gone into those yet to look for those, but I bet you they're probably selling pre-made ones by now. If not in the store, you can probably get them from the site so that you could put one up yourself if you wanted to. And if I lived in a place where people drove by all the time, I would have one. I would have a little free paranormal library because I have tons of paranormal books that I'm never going to read again that I've just held on to because I figured someday... You know, someday when I die, they can put they can build a Tim Weisberg Memorial Paranormal Library, which would essentially just be the closet of another library, but uh, maybe maybe a, a busted bathroom or something. But um, you know, maybe somebody will take advantage of that and 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 utilize that and and keep it going. I you know I didn't pay for them. The publishers just send them to me to to have guests on the show, and paying it forward and letting other people reading them read them, I think is a great way to utilize those. Anyway, 508-996-0500. Going to take a break. Be back in a few. Them. And now let's go into the newsroom with Adam Bass. The Federal Reserve is no longer forecasting a U.S. recession this year. That's what J Fed Chairman Jerome Powell reportedly told reporters today after the central bank raised interest rates by a quarter of a percentage point Wednesday. He said inflation has moderated, but there's still a long way to go to get down to the 2% goal. It's the 11th rate hike since March 2022, and it follows a pause in June. 
The Department of Justice is filing paperwork asking a judge to order Texas Governor Greg Abbott to have the floating barrier in the Rio Grande removed. DOJ attorneys asked the court to order the barrier removed along with anything used to anchor it. They also asked the state of Texas not to install any future barriers while the case is pending. Delegations from Russia and China are in North Korea to help celebrate the end of the Korean War, Michael Kastner reports. They were in Pyongyang Wednesday to celebrate North Korea's Victory Day at a state reception for the Russian delegation. That country's defense minister heaped praise on the North Korean army, calling it the strongest army in the world. Today marks the 70th anniversary of the end of the fighting in the Korean War. The two countries reached an armistice but are still technically at war. I'm Michael Kastner. Singer Sinead O'Connor is dead at the age of 56, according to the Irish Times. O'Connor is known for hits including Nothing Compares to You and I Want Your Hands on Me. Her son, Shane, died at the age of 17 last year. More injuries are being reported after Wednesday's, Wednesday's morning crane collapse in Manhattan. Nearly a dozen people, including two firefighters and some workers at the site, were injured, two of them being serious. Roughly 16 tons of concrete were on the crane more than 40 stories up when the crane's engine caught fire. The arm of the crane hit the building across the street, then part of the arm and all the concrete fell to the ground. A penicillin shortage has health officials worried about a possible syphilis public health emergency. Mark Mayfield reports. With supplies of the drug tight, doctors have been rationing treatment for the disease, prioritizing pregnant patients and babies. The Department of Health and Human Services is putting together a task force to examine the issue. Declaring a public health emergency could free up resources to help fight the problem. I'm Mark Mayfield. A massive heat wave continues today, putting more than 140 million Americans under heat alerts. Temperatures could close in on triple digits in places like New York City and Washington, D.C., while potentially dangerous heat starts to spread into the Midwest. Missouri, Iowa, and Indiana are under advisories, while areas like Miami, El Paso, and Phoenix continue to roast. And parts of South Florida are getting much-needed reprieve of intense heat by way of a tropical wave. Temperatures in the region are averaging 10 to 20 degrees cooler, but don't get too excited. It is likely once the clouds clear out and the rain clears that it's going to return to pretty hot conditions again. Will Redmond, a National Weather Service meteorologist, says this short-lived easterly tropical wave is producing heavy cloud coverage and light to heavy downpours. A flood watch is now underway for Broward, Palm Beach, and Miami-Dade counties. Redmond says advisories and warnings once again are expected to be after Friday. In sports, the Boston Red Sox defeated the Atlanta Braves last night 5-3, ending the two-game series with a 2-0 sweep. The Sox will take today off before heading to San Francisco for a game against the Giants tomorrow at 10.15 p.m. And now, here's your ABC6 local weather forecast. We have a heat advisory that's in effect now through Saturday morning at 8 a.m. For today, we're going to be partly sunny with the winds picking up out of the southwest. We do have a chance of some heavy thunderstorms as we head into the later afternoon hours and into the early evening time. So keep your eyes to the sky. We'll be reaching a high near 85. Overnight tonight, low of 74 and for tomorrow, mostly sunny and humid, high around 90. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. It is currently six. 76 degrees right now in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. Starting the South Coast off right each morning. It's a beautiful morning. It's the Tim Weisberg Show.
Show. Weekdays from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Right here on WBSM. Hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. I'm going to get to an App Chat question in just a moment. But before I do that, if you are looking to get yourself the best... It's going to be hot out this this weekend, right? It's going to be hot out tomorrow and later on today. uh, Do you really want to be cooking inside the house? Or do you want to go throw on the grill outside and grill up something delicious? Well, you can do that by going to the butcher shop in New Bedford. You can get the best quality meat at low affordable prices. I'm talking celebrity pork chops. I'm talking chicken breast. I'm talking Terrace Major, tomahawk steak, steak tips. You can even get seafood. You can even get a nice big lobster. Some of the biggest lobsters you'll see around are in the tank at the butcher shop, 123 Dartmouth Street in New Bedford. You can get all of that, but maybe you don't even want to go outside and cook because it's going to be so hot. That's okay. The butcher shop has a wide variety of pre-made foods ready to go that they can just scoop out for you, whether it's just for you or for the whole family. So you don't have to sacrifice having a delicious meal just because it's too hot to cook. The butcher shop can take care of you. They can also take care of anything else you need. They have all kinds of products there. Uh, An amazing fridge full of cheese, all different kinds of cheeses. They have everything that you can need for beer and wine. Wines from $5 to $500 all down there in the wine cellar. They have all kinds of great things there. One-stop shopping. And don't forget to pick up some delicious homemade rice pudding for dessert. Maria makes some of the best rice pudding you will ever have. So check out the butcher shop, 123 Dartmouth Street in New Bedford, and get yourself something delicious today. All right, well, I got an app chat message during the news. Uh, from Kurt in New Bedford, who wanted to know my thoughts on the recent paranormal news. And I'm assuming by that he means the hearing yesterday regarding UAPs with the uh, na- the National Defense Subcommittee. The I'm sorry, yeah. The sec- Let me see if I can give you the exact title of that subcommittee. It's the, well, it's the National Security Subcommittee of the House Oversight Committee. They have, it has an even longer name, but I don't remember it all off the top of my head. So they had three witnesses who spoke in this hearing yesterday. And what's interesting about this is we've, we've had UAP hearings going on, UFO, UAP hearings going on. And the topic has been addressed by congressional members who have said, Listen, this is about if if the government is keeping something from the people, we want to get to the bottom of it. And they've taken an approach of 
not necessarily being UFO believers, but believing that there is something going on with this UAP phenomena that we're not being told about. And I think that's why they're using the term UAP to get rid of some of that stigma that people have associated with UFOs. But yesterday's hearing was a little bit different because one of the people that were testifying was David Grush, who is the man who is the whistleblower that was in the big story a few months ago. And that whistleblower said that bodies have been recovered and that the military has biologicals, I believe is the term that he used, that have been recovered from the crash of some of these UAP. Now, again, this is supposed to be about transparency. That's the idea here, about telling us what they know that they're not telling us about. And I think that's what people are going to really jump on when it comes to this report. Uh, this hearing, they're going to jump on the fact that Grush was talking about finding these biological creatures and that that is basically saying, well, look, there we go. We have not only do we have proof that aliens exist, but here is someone who is involved in the program that was watching the skies for these things. And he's telling us that they have bodies. But just be careful because what Grush is telling us is what he was told by somebody else. So he may have been the one to blow the whistle, but he wasn't the one to see these supposedly non, non-human biologicals. So if there are bodies that have been recovered, this person has not seen them with his own eyes. But he did tell them that he is absolutely certain that the federal government is in possession of UAPs. That they have collected crashed debris and reconstructed those crashed UAPs. He also claimed that the effort is, quote, above congressional oversight and bankrolled by a, quote, misappropriation of funds. And so he was asked by Representative Jared Moskowitz of Florida, does that mean that there is money in the budget that is set to go to a program, but it doesn't, and it goes to something else? And Grush responded, yes, I have specific knowledge of that, but did not provide more details, claiming that the information remains classified. But I think the, the sexy part of this is when he mentioned non-human biologics from crashed UAPs. He said he prefers to use the term non-human rather than alien or extraterrestrial. This is somebody who is bringing, although he's using a different term, bringing the idea of aliens into a congressional hearing. So even even if this turns out to not be the case, even if Grush is just mistaken or what he heard was inaccurate or what have you whatever it may be aliens have entered the chat it is now part of the conversation of these of the of this UAP investigation now scientifically it's irresponsible 
to call whatever these things are extraterrestrial. You don't know that until you know where they came from. Just saying it's something that's not of this earth doesn't necessarily mean that it's not of this earth. It just means it's something that we don't know about. But wouldn't you think if there was something around this planet that was able to fly objects in the sky, we would have tracked that down by now. Now, some of the crazier theories about what these beings could be involve the hollow earth theory, that the earth is actually hollow and there is a civilization that lives within the core of the earth and that these ships are them flying out of these various points in the world where they can enter and exit. Wouldn't we have found that? Wouldn't we have an idea of where that was happening from? The other theory, one other theory, is that it is, and, 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 and if we're going to put these theories out there, one is no more ridiculous than the other, I don't think, that these are actually time travelers or dimensional travelers. And that theory has been popular for a long time because the those who argue for it say that the report of these gray aliens that people encounter, what they call the grays, with these enlarged heads and, and enlarged eyes and, and skinny squat bodies or sometimes fat squat bodies, the large almond eyes, small nostrils, and uh, barely a mouth to speak of, that allegedly communicate telepathically. Those who believe the future human theory of aliens, of extraterrestrials, think that it's something that, that could very well be a post-nuclear apocalypse version of a human being. And they've given reasons why. You know, without, without exposure to the sun, our eyes would become large almond-shaped black abysses. As we developed telepathic communication abilities, we would not need to use our mouth, so over time our mouth would become less important and de-emphasized on our face. There's all these theories. I, I, again, I don't, I don't buy into them. I'm just telling you what they are. Having spoken to people for almost 20 years now and heard all these theories, I'm just passing on the information. In, in both my times interviewing Neil deGrasse Tyson, we've discussed the possibility of extraterrestrials, and he believes that it's not possible. And he's looking up in the stars far more than I am. So then, but then what is it? If we're getting non-human biologics, if this is a true statement, then what are they? That's a bigger question. And an even bigger question than that is, why haven't we been told about it? 508-996-0500. Got to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments, unless I get abducted. And let's go right back to the phones. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Uh, good morning, Tim. It's Simone Bourgeois calling from C-Lab. Hello, Simone. How are you? I am fine. I just want to thank you very much your lecture with my students yesterday. They were very enthusiastic, interactive, and uh, your demonstration was very productive 
very clear. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I had a great time, and uh, and I was wearing my hat all day yesterday too. So thank you for all that too. Well, that is that is a compliment to us. But I just um, I was so impressed with your presentation and how the children reacted to it, as well as the teachers. So once again, thank you. I may book you every summer if you're available. You know where to find me. All right, I shall. Thank right. you so much. Thank you. Have yeah. a great day. You too. Bye-bye. And that was so much fun yesterday, talking with the students about the paranormal, sharing kind of you know why I got into it, uh, because I think that that's important, because I wanted it to seem like it is something that is accessible, that you can look into this without having to have a scientific background, but a scientific background is, of course, much better to have. And the kids over there are learning all of those tools. And if we can get at least one or two of those kids that were in there learning about all kinds of science to say, yeah, I think I would like to look into this question and I would like to apply the methodologies that I've learned, well, then there you go. We've got two great investigators then. But I think at the very least, people who look into the paranormal, if they do it correctly, they just develop better critical thinking skills. They learn to not take everything at face value and question why it is. It, one thing you will learn if you look into the paranormal is that groupthink is a real thing. And it doesn't matter where you come down on the idea itself. Are ghosts real? Are aliens real? Are, is Bigfoot real? No matter what it might be, when you look at it, whatever side you come down on, you can look at it the other side there's just a groupthink mentality. It's not people who have actually looked into it for themselves. It's people who are just reciting what it is that they have heard. Like, personally, I, I don't really believe in Bigfoot. I don't think that there's this, this creature that's out there walking around in the woods. I think we would have found it already. But I've listened to the people who have told me all the reasons why they don't think so. And I've listened to people like Dr. Jeff Meldrum, who will tell you about all the physical evidence. You know, he's not coming at this from a woo-woo perspective. He's coming at it from a biological, zoological perspective. And he has said, you know, they found all kinds of footprints, hair samples, all kinds of things that come up with unknown DNA. Things that should point to there being a flesh and blood creature that we haven't discovered. And so I say, well, okay, I'm going to keep that possibility open in my mind. It might not be what I think, but at least I know that it's a possibility. And I think that the more we can look at things critically, instead of having our preconceived notions about it or whatever our upbringing told us about it or whatever our friends and family told us about it, then I think you can apply that same open-mindedness to other things as well. And I'm not saying, because, you know, I, I will tell people, who say, well, you know, I don't believe everything I hear on the news. I do my own research. Well, you're easily led in the wrong direction with a lot of that stuff. And the same can happen with the paranormal as well. You can easily be led in the wrong direction with misinformation that seems like correct information, that seems like fact. So you always have to be vigilant about that. But there's a lot of information out there for those who are willing to take that dive and again, I, I don't think ghosts are necessarily dead people. I don't think UFO sightings are aliens from another planet. I don't think Bigfoot sightings are hairy hominid creatures that live in the woods. But I think that the experiences that people have are real, and that's why I try to find the expl explanations for those. All right, going to take a break. Back in a few